This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Today is Tuesday, June 23rd, 2020. On this day in 1848, workers in Paris revolted against France's newly installed conservative government. It marked the beginning of an historic four-day uprising known as June Days. Welcome to Today in True Crime, a ParCast original. Due to the graphic nature of today's crimes, listener discretion is advised. Extreme caution is advised for listeners under 13. Today we're covering the first day of the bloody June Day's insurrection on the streets of Paris. Now let's go back to the Marais district on the eastern side of the city, the morning of Friday, June 23, 1848. It was a hot morning in the Marais. The thick, humid air blanketed the neighborhood, so heavy it was almost oppressive. But it was fitting, really. For weeks, a tense atmosphere had threatened to suffocate the city. But it wasn't the climate. It was politics. Four months earlier, in February of 1848, a decade of social unrest erupted in a revolution that brought down the monarchy of King Louis-Philippe, the last king of France. It was a revolution of the working class, the people of the city who made their wages with their hands. They were manual laborers and factory workers, shopkeepers and artisans. They dreamed of a France that would serve the people over the aristocracy and demanded radical reformation. What they got was a provisional government they called the Second Republic, and the people of France received it with what novelist Gustave Flaubert called carnival-like exuberance. Their new government installed a number of social reforms. Among them was the right to work. It established national workshops, which assigned citizens menial jobs in exchange for small wages. It wasn't much, but it ensured they survived the country's crippling economic depression. And to the people of France, it was radical progress. However, their hopes for a democratic republic soon came crashing down. Two months after the revolution, voters elected an executive commission to replace the provisional government. It consisted of five men, four of whom were social conservatives, and they were determined to undo the progress of the Second Republic. For weeks after, Parisians grew restless. They were waiting for the other shoe to drop, and on June 23rd, it finally did. That morning, the new conservative committee sent out a decree that the national workshops established for unemployed citizens would be closed in three days' time. Workers enrolled in its programs were given two choices. Young men would be welcomed into the army. 
all other citizens were required to return home with a small final wage. Anyone who refused would be dismissed. The message was clear. Join the military or starve. But the workers of Paris refused. They would create their own ultimatum, fight for their right to work or die trying. After all, they had fought one revolution just months before, and they were willing to risk bullets again for the chance to eat. As they chanted in the streets, it was bread or lead. They started to march. It was a spontaneous decision, a sudden wave that spread through the eastern quarters of the city. Shops were shuttered while people poured out into alleyways and avenues. And as they traveled, more protesters joined in their wake. As the mob moved, they went from home to home recruiting fellow Parisians to their cause. Anyone who refused was told they'd be shot. It was the first surge of a bitter revolt. And as the day continued, thousands of workers had taken over the entire eastern half of the city. They had no true leaders and no plan, but soon they decided to barricade the streets. They created makeshift blockades with anything on hand. Even paving stones were pried from roads and added to the piles. Eventually, 250 blockades were created, effectively closing off huge sections of the city. But while the rebels gathered their rifles and constructed their barricades, the new government of France was making a plan to tear it all down. That day, the French army assembled just outside of the city, and by midday, they marched toward the eastern quarters, 40,000 strong. As the troops approached the workers' impromptu barricades, they halted. Behind the pile of rubble and discarded furniture were hundreds of insurgents, rifles already drawn, until the first shot was fired. The streets rang out with booming rifle fire and the battle cries of angry men. The first casualty dropped to the cobblestone, then another and another. But the bloodshed had only just begun. Coming up, the tragic outcome of the June Day's uprising. This episode is brought to you by Anytime Fitness. Forget dark alleys and cemeteries. For some, the gym is the scariest place of all. But it doesn't have to be. With a personalized plan and expert coaching, Anytime Fitness can help make the gym less frightening. Get more for your gym membership than machines. Get personalized support anytime, anywhere. Visit anytimefitness.com to try it for free today. Terms, conditions, and restrictions apply. See website for details. Now, back to the story. On June 23rd, 1848, after France's newly installed conservative government denied unemployed workers wages and assistance, the people of Paris staged a revolt. Working-class citizens assembled throughout the eastern half of the city to take up arms and barricade the streets. But before long, government troops arrived to crush the rebellion. The man behind those troops was General Louis-Eugène Cavignac, France's newly appointed Minister of War. 
After the riots broke out, the government declared Paris in a state of siege, and General Cavignac was granted full dictatorial power to handle the revolt. And he was determined to do anything necessary to put an end to the rebellion, no matter how ruthless. What followed was a violent suppression. Though the civilian insurgents outnumbered Cavignac's troops, they were outgunned and ill-prepared. The National Guard stormed the barricades with horses, cannons, and a barrage of musket fire from trained soldiers. Meanwhile, the rioters scrambled to defend their borders with far fewer rifles and dwindling ammunition. Desperate, they ransacked armories within the city, gathering as many weapons as they could carry. Local pharmacists sympathetic to the cause concocted homemade gunpowder to supplement their supplies. For the next three days, the rioters and soldiers traded gunfire in a vicious standoff. Paris was gripped in terror. Blood ran down the cobblestone streets as the bodies of casualties piled higher. Many among them were innocents. On June 25th, the Archbishop of Paris, Denis Auguste Offre, attempted a negotiation between the two warring sides. During a pause in battle, Offre climbed over an insurgent barricade carrying a green branch in a symbol of peace. He spoke a few words, and then a shot rang out in the distance. Confused, the insurgents believed the National Guard was attacking under the guise of peace and open fire. In the spray of bullets, Offre was hit and killed. His death, combined with general anti-rebel sentiment, turned the French people against the workers' cause. Regardless of class, the citizens of France hoped to see the uprising suppressed. And soon enough, they got their wish. On June 26, 1848, after four days of ruthless battle, General Cavignac's troops broke through the rebels' last barricade. The Parisian uprising had fallen. In the wake of his victory, Cavignac declared, the sacred cause of the Republic has triumphed. In Paris, I see victors and vanquished. Cursed be my name if I consent to see victims. But though Cavignac refused to acknowledge the siege's casualties, there were many. Over 10,000 people were killed or injured in the clash. Among the dead were approximately 1,500 soldiers and 3,000 citizens. But the rebels who survived weren't much luckier. Some were shot as they tried to escape, while others were executed in droves. The rest, nearly 4,000, were deported to the Algeria colonies, where they were imprisoned without trial. Meanwhile in Paris, General Cavignac was praised for his swift handling of the uprising. And though he ceded his dictatorial powers, his resulting popularity led to his appointment as premier of the executive committee. Under his rule, a policy of repression was enacted throughout Paris to crush any activities deemed dangerous to the Republic. He continued to oversee the young government until the election of France's first president the following December. As they were led into a new era of France, 
the carnage of the June Days uprising would stain France's consciousness for generations, becoming what political theorist Alexis de Tocqueville called the most extensive and most singular insurrection that has occurred in our history. But it would be 23 long years before they saw the radical reform they dreamed of in the revolutions of 1848. Thanks for listening to Today in True Crime. I'm Vanessa Richardson. For more stories of political uprisings and revolution, check out the ParCast original, Dictators. Today in True Crime was created by Max Cutler and is a ParCast Studios original. It is executive produced by Max Cutler, sound designed by Dick Schroeder, with production assistance by Ron Shapiro, Carly Madden, and Joshua Kern. This episode of Today in True Crime was written by Alex Garland, with writing assistance by Abigail Cannon. I'm Vanessa Richardson. Today in True Crime.